Welcome to another episode of Business of Freelancing. We're so excited to talk all about pivoting today. We're so excited that we've got Marie Poulin on. So Marie is a business strategist and productivity expert. She specializes in training individuals and teams on how to organize and streamline their business using Notion. And today we're going to chat about how she got where she is and the fact that you should always be looking to pivot your niche in order to serve your audience. So today for our panel, we've got Meg. Hello. Eric. Hi, everybody. Myself, Mark, and we have a special guest, Marie Poulet. Welcome, Marie. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'll also add on that um, I'm so excited to have you on. We are so excited to have you on. I've known Marie for like almost a decade, not to brag, but, <laughs> 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 but, way back. but super excited to, uh, uh, to chat in like a public context. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so we're talking all about pivoting your niche today. So Marie, do you want to give us a little bit of context just on, I know I spoke a bit about what you did or what you're doing right now, but your background, where you came from and what actually niches sort of you were in before and how you got to what you're doing. Yeah, it's been a long and winding journey. And, um, you know, I was telling Margaret earlier that I feel like every time I come on a podcast, I'm like, oh, you're catching me at like a weird time in my business. I'm like going through, a p- <laughs> going through a pivot. And then I'm like, no, wait a second. That's always the case. It always feels like it's in flux. Um, and so at the moment, probably since maybe the last eight months or so, I've been doing mostly Notion-focused consulting, but that wasn't even a thing that existed a year ago. So it's been kind of a weird weird journey. But I think uh, part of it is just, yeah, listening to what people are asking for, being willing to serve a niche, especially if there's overlap in like what you're excited about, where there's uh, profitability and, you know, where the market is asking for something and really finding that product market fit uh, and just following the momentum. And so I think that I've I've had a hard time, I think, doubling down on anything. Like I've always been kind of exploring and experimenting and kind of listening to what the market needs and launch little courses here and like, oh, I should adjust the services because I'm hearing this. So I, I think I've never fully felt concrete in in what I offer. And I've always struggled to explain what I do, probably until the last eight months where I'm like, oh, this is very specific and it's very easy to talk about. So um, my start was sort of in the web design, graphic design universe. Um, You know, I was a digital strategist, interactive designer for many, many years. And then over time, I started noticing more and more of my clients were teaching online courses, they had products, they had uh, productized offers, they had membership programs, right? They had a lot of things that weren't just service-based businesses. So I'm like, oh, okay, this, the clients that have more money to invest in web design are people who have these really interesting diversified offers. Like, okay, maybe I should like start serving that audience. And so it's like every time I've just gotten comfortable with something and then noticed where there was maybe more opportunity, I've tried to double down on that. So um, over time, we noticed that sort of online courses niche my husband and I decided to build our own software around it and kind of doubled down on that. Um, But that was such a struggle, honestly, working with just folks who are, um, it felt like we were almost attracting people who were looking for a very quick fix for their businesses. And that was, that was really hard. So you spend so much time building software. That's a really low price point for folks who, um, are struggling. Like they don't want to pay $29 a month for something that actually, is a business tool, right? And the customer support and everything that was happening 
for what was the lowest price way of working with us when before as a services-based company, it was way easier to sell like $5,000 coaching or $25,000 WordPress website than it was to get someone to pay $29 a month for software. And so that was another you know pivot where it's like, is this the audience we want to be serving? Is this the, the thing that we want to plant our flag in? Are we excited and passionate enough to make that our thing? So we did that for about three years. I pivoted a lot of my own products and services around trying to teach people how to launch courses and um, working closely with folks on their digital strategy with, again, courses being kind of a, a side stream of that. And it just, it wasn't, it wasn't as exciting. And then to have put all this time and effort into a thing that you're like, it works and it's cool and we have some clients, but we're like not that excited to go all in and grow it. Like, what does that mean? And like, did we waste our time? Oh gosh. So there was lots of stuff that, that came up as, as part of that process. And um, we realized that we, we are more high touch people. Like that's, that's where our bread and butter has always been when we work with people in a much deeper way. Um, and I realized a good chunk of the work I was doing too, when you're working with people who have online courses that have memberships, I mean, you guys know there's so many parts, moving parts behind the scenes, the systems, like the choosing your technology and the average people that we work with are, are not super tech savvy people. So inevitably what seemed like it would be a three month engagement turns into like two or three years as you're getting like funnels together, you're getting <laughs> system. like, there's just so many moving parts, right? So I didn't realize how much work I was doing around actually helping people set up their own internal productivity systems. And I'd be like, oh, do you use Evernote? Do you use, a, oh, let's get you, you know, set up on Asana. And inevitably that just became part of the work that I was doing. So in some ways, when I shifted toward Notion, I thought, oh gosh, am I like pivoting again? Am I being flaky? Like, what does this mean? But really what was happening was I was moving away from the front facing systems and moving more toward the behind the scenes systems that help people be more efficient. So it took a while to kind of let that sit in my brain and, and figure out like, what, like, what do I do? And like, what am I really good at? What's the, what's the core thing that is the through line with all the work that I'm doing? So um, that's a very long way to answer. Like it has been a long and winding journey <laughs> to, to what I am doing today. <laughs> nice. And I think that brings up a super interesting point because a lot of the times the advice people get when they're first starting their business or first going into entrepreneurship or development design, the first thing everyone's told is niche down. You got to niche down. And I totally agree with that. But what I'm and what I've understood for myself and also what I'm hearing for you is like you can't niche down until you know what's needed on that granular level, right? Like you don't know that you wouldn't know that you would be able to niche down to something that specialized and that specific, unless you were working with people who you could see the flaws in their systems. Like I know that's good advice, but I, I almost want to like give like a caveat to it or say like, but yeah, you should niche down, but feel like after you've done the work to find out what the clients you already have really need for sure. I think, I think there's like an element of expertise needed for sure. And uh, I don't know if you've read the book range. Uh, I think it's why generalists triumph in a specialized world. Such a good book. If you ever are kind of unsure or feel self-conscious about feeling like you're a bit of a generalist, that book was so validating. Let me tell you. Um, but he talked about um, not, not, 
specializing too early, right? Because you don't even know what your own skill sets are. And I think it takes a while for you to notice the patterns of how you show up across different work. So it's not just even listening to what the market wants, but it's like, where are my skills best served? And sometimes you don't know that till you've, you've done a variety of work, you've worked with enough clients to be to notice a pattern. But if you only work with a handful of clients a year, you may not recognize those patterns exactly. So I think um, for some people, it makes sense. They find their niche and they're like, this is so clearly the place that I need to double down on. And I think that's awesome. But if you're not sure, I think there's a really uncomfortable, like gray area when you're figuring it out that it's it's really hard and really frustrating because you're like, I just want to be there already. And it, it can be very uncomfortable. But I gave myself permission for a bit to be like, okay, like I know that like online courses is not where you're going to end up inevitably. Like this is a, a interesting piece on a path that's going to give me more data, more information. I'm like building my tool kit or my you know tool belt. And I know I'm moving towards something and all of that really interesting life experience, client experience is going to shape how I'm able to serve people over here when, you know, whatever that looks like. And so you're kind of uh, inching yourself towards something, even if you don't know what it is exactly yet, you're, you're kind of heading toward a direction and just like picking up all those skills and all those resources on the way. I mean, that's such a good point. Like that's the thing, like it's it's the exploration is part of it. I feel like people want a, a guaranteed, like, well, if I do this, like, will I get like this, get me the guaranteed thing. It's like part of this whole freelancing, businessing on our own thing is to try something. It's there's going to be lots of things that don't work out, you know, and that's, that's okay. <laughs> the only constant is change, right? It's, it's all, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. it's all data. It, I think you have to look at it as all, it's all data. Mm -hmm. It's a hypothesis. It's like, it, is the market interested in this? Okay, cool. Let's, let's try that. Let's see. Like for me, I'm always looking for what feels easy. Like I want a stress reduced life. What does that look like? And so if, this over here feels like a grind and talking about it feels like a grind. I'm like, there's no way that has longevity if like that's not going to work. And so, you know, again, when we were talking about online courses, I, I'm writing articles like online courses won't save your business. And you can tell I'm like, <laughs> I'm like mad about all the, the trends that I'm seeing. I'm like, and I'm like, well, that actually is not that's not going to help us grow software because I have no problem talking people out of it when I don't think it's a good idea. So I'm like, this feels hard for me to sell when I actually don't think it's the greatest idea for everyone. And I think people need more skills before they're at that point. I'm like, oh, maybe like software is not the, like, maybe that's not the medium. The conversation might be similar, but the medium it was not the best medium in terms of like low price point and high expectation or so much energy and effort and really low price point. So like, what can I do that has a higher price point that is easier, more fun, you know, has that spaciousness to it. So that's for me, what I'm looking for is like, what feels easy? What, what could you get paid for where you're like, holy crap, I can't believe people are actually willing to pay me for this because I'm enjoying myself too much. And that can be such like a psychological, I was going to use another term that I won't use. Like, it can be like such a psychological, it, it can mess with you psychologically a lot because you're, I feel like we've been so trained to be like, this should be hard because hard work pays off. But it's, uh, it's, it's hard to break that. It's hard to break that paradigm of like, you can be efficient and let things be easy and let your natural talents and confidence come in without like being on the grind, like you said, for sure. 
So I think for probably a lot of people listening out there and talking about going from being a generalist to, to niching down, um, maybe that's the first pivot that people go through. And I think that's a tough one for people. Um, and then the conversation progressed in such a way where I thought it might be interesting to explore what are some like tangible signs of what you're doing that indicate that it might be time to pivot. And it sounds like definitely one of those is this is like really hard. You know, it feels like there's a lot of friction to what I'm doing, but like in your experience um, with pivots, are there other signs or things that people can be doing and recognize like, Hey, maybe this isn't working. Yeah. I mean, is it, is it hard to find revenue? Is it, is it like really a grind to get new clients? Uh, do people maybe not understand what you do when you talk about what you do? Do you get kind of like, you know, the raised eyebrows or, or, you know, um, an, an interesting exercise is always having a friend of yours describe what you do. <laughs> That's always, always kind of interesting. Like, can someone else effectively like, oh, you should talk to my friend, Margaret. She does X, right? Like, can people actually define what you do? Um, those are some of, I mean, money is obviously one of the the more obvious ones. If, if there just isn't any kind of cash flow and it's, it's becoming very difficult for you to serve a specific audience. Um, I don't know if you guys have something to add on that of like really obvious signs that like what you're doing is maybe like there might be <laughs> room for a pivot. Well, I don't know. So what you had mentioned before about um, people like being surprised by people who were engaging at a lower price point than you were used to and expecting more service out of it. So I don't know what you would call that exactly, but historically to me, that's been a sign where there seems to be this mismatch between price and expectations, or maybe you just can't deliver on this price at this scale, things like that. So I don't know what you would call that, but um, maybe like commodification I, of skills, right? Like the way people don't expect to maybe invest in branding the way they used to. Like now when you've got, you know, logo sites and, and, um, and even people outsourcing overseas and things like that, like it's interesting to watch how certain services get commoditized and which ones become uh, valued more. Right. Um, that's always kind of an interesting thing is, like a trend that I noticed, I think, was a lot of web designers were really, really resistant to pre-made themes, right? It's like they almost had this badge of honor, like, I got to build it custom and it's got to be super difficult. And uh, and you're kind of fighting, like you're fighting a, against the current, right? It's like tools are going to become easier and easier and easier to use, as they should be. Like we want more people to be able to uh, get their stuff up and running and not have it be something that only people with lots of money can do. So you have to recognize there are areas that are going to become more commodified. So how are you going to differentiate yourself in a, in a highly commodified market? Um, so logo design, theme design, things like that, that the part of the project becomes valued less. And I think strategy becomes valued more. The decision-making, the creativity, those are skills that I think, uh, you know, take, take a while to hone and there's more expertise there on the strategic decision-making side. So um, I, I kind of think, you can't keep still for too long, especially if you work in technology, you're going to have to adapt and find out other ways, whether it's adapting to e-commerce or copywriting. Like I think copywriting is still always a skill that's going to be incredibly highly valued, right? Um, that's, I think something, I think copywriting is a skill that anyone probably should learn at least some, some really basic um, and probably even more than, than just basic skills to be able to talk about what you do in a way that, that connects with people. I think that's a, a pretty big skill. So yeah, I think just paying attention to what is becoming commodified and where are your skills needing a little bit of uh, 
maybe a pivot or layering in new skills that can support the other skills so that you can kind of differentiate. Yeah, I think that brings up a really good point too of like, there's times when there's indications where we have this sort of internal feeling of being able to pivot or honing in farther on a client project or problem and solving that. But I think there's also this sort of forced pivot. So there's this forced pivot because just like you're saying, the speed of technology with like pre-made themes and website builders, of course you could justify like a custom site for 10 years ago because website builders were so terrible, but they're getting great now. So, and I really, I think about maybe four or five years ago, like you're saying, I met this resistance being a developer, working with designers and I would give clients options at that point and I'd say like, oh, we could do a theme and and these are sort of the limitations with this too. But the problem with doing that is it would it would cut out some design work and there would be this this sort of conflict there because that's it wasn't a context that they were willing to work within. So so that was interesting too. And I see it, I see it in so many other industries too. And I know it's easy when you're outside of things to, to see them a bit more. Like, for example, it's like a little bit of a tangent. But for example, I was getting I was getting my eyes checked. Uh, when I was getting my eyes checked, I get them checked every two years. And uh, I have glasses and contacts. So, And I was at this the brick and mortar store. And uh, after she tested them, she asked me, she's like, okay, or do you, are you going to put in your order for contacts? And I said, no. I said, I ordered them online because they're cheaper and they get delivered right to me. And it's like a subscription. I set it and forget it. They deliver my contacts as soon as I need them. And and then she looks at me and she's like, oh, you do that? And rolled her eyes at me. And I was like, man, <laughs> you're going to get so left behind. The irony, two months later, doors are closed. Like the place is locked oh. up. And I'm like, if you don't, like you can't afford to not pivot when things are moving this quickly. Yeah. Yeah, so, crazy. <laughs> so yeah, like paying attention to the rate of the rate of technology and, and yeah, you don't have to fight with it. There's ways it's changing whether you like it or not, basically. So you gotta learn to work with it for sure. Yeah, and I think there's room for almost more more product uh, type things for for like the everyday freelancers to be able to whether it's info products whether it's uh, developing their own themes and selling them like I just think there's so many interesting ways you can diversify your income that aren't just services now um, so in in some ways it benefits everyone that there's all these interesting different marketplaces available to you so like you know, creative, uh, creativemarket.com, right? Like if you've got assets that you've created, you're an illustrator selling your, your icons and assets on creative market, as well as whatever wallpapers, themes, you name it. Like there's a lot of interesting creative ways. If you're pretty creative that you can diversify the different ways you're, you're bringing in money. Something jumping back, like one step, like, you know, we're talking about like, okay, so, you know, you know, you need to pivot. Um, I know I've experienced this when I've pivoted my business, but that like sort of like, what if, what if me, like, cause I think there is a decision point, like there's the trying things out and like, you sure doubling down on what works, but the, there is that sort of decision point when you start have to say no to what you used to do because yeah. people are still coming to you. <laughs> there's that fear of, if I say no, what's going to happen? Yeah, what's going to happen? How did you deal with that? I, I think, uh, I feel like my circumstances are are very lucky in a way, like a right place, right time, uh, rocket ship just happens to be taking off kind of thing that I was getting like, I didn't realize this, I had accidentally left my email address on my contact page. 
And I was like, why am I getting so many emails? I didn't realize that uh, that I'd left that on there. So I was getting three to five emails a day that for Notion consulting for teams and whatever. So I didn't even have time to like answer the email. I was like, oh, I have to make a canned response for this and then a canned response. So I was like, holy crap, there was just so much. And then Twitter, you know, people at mentioning me and asking me tech support questions and then people also just messaging me for tech support questions, not knowing I'm not a Notion employee. And then I'm, <laughs> what are the rules around that? Who do I send those? So there was just so much happening that uh, in some ways I almost had no choice. Like it's here in front of me very, very clearly. And I, I felt in a way that it was such a unique opportunity and there was so much momentum and ease there. I'm like, this would be foolish not to like, what's the worst that could happen? I try this even for like oh, six months, a year, like, let's see what happens. There's no shortage of revenue here. So um, if at some point I'm, I find that this is maybe not working out, I, I think we forget we pay way more attention to our websites and our brands than anyone else does. We think everyone's like refreshing and look, we're the only ones that, that are paying that much attention. You know, someone could not even have known that you went through that pivot <laughs> and they check your website again. Right. So I think it maybe depends how extreme that pivot is. Um, one thing I did was I tried to almost have a bit of an in-between language too, which can be kind of helpful as you're, as you're like, Oh, maybe I won't use this word, but I'll use like you kind of have to ease into it a little bit. Or you could just say, screw it, I'm just switching that language over and I'm and I'm going all in. Um, but I did have a, a little bit of a transitional copy where I was trying to pull in aspects of my experience and, you know, permaculture studies and ecosystems and thinking in systems and how this has helped me as I think about workflow. And so in a way, you kind of have to tell a story. I think that is really helpful for folks to just understand, well, what is the journey that your experience has taken you on? So when I'm landing on your site, it doesn't feel like, oh, suddenly you're selling like cat food now when you used to do this other thing. Like, <laughs> I think weaving, if you can weave in your past experience and make sure that it is contributing directly to your perspectives in this new angle, that can be really, really valuable. One thing I'm wondering about, because I'm prone to this, um, like I own an agency now and we're pretty um, clear about what we're doing. It's a specific form of digital content marketing. Um, and so most of it's blog posts, but maybe we'll do something like um, videos or, or helping with a podcast or something like that. And that's all sort of contained, but a lot of things will come into me. Clients will have ideas for satellite things that we could offer, maybe different kind of services or different kind of consulting. And I'm sort of prone to shiny object syndrome, like, oh, hey, there's an opportunity here. Somebody would be willing to pay for this. Maybe we should do it. And I find that I have to be pretty disciplined about making conscious decisions of here's what we do, here's what we don't. And if I'm thinking about people listening who might be wanting to pivot, I could see people being uh, laggards when it comes to pivoting to their own detriment and not staying with the times. But I can also see a lot of shiny object syndrome people like doing it too quickly. Like, have you ever had the sense that you were maybe abandoning something too early or like, how do you resolve that? Like, is this the right time or am I jumping the gun uh, in your experience doing these pivots? That's such a good question. Cause I think ultimately you, you can't ever really know, like I could say, well, we just never really went all in on the on the online course stuff. Like we never like blogged about, we never like, we could have done ads. We could have, like, there's so many things we could have done. But at the end of the day, I knew my heart wasn't in it. So I knew that that's one piece of it. So I think, obviously, I, I'm a little biased. Like this is, this is my own opinion on this. Like just 
running a very like values-based business is um, how aligned is this with my skills, with what I believe in, what I want to be doing? If it's a if it's a clear yes and it's aligned, I'm like, yeah, sure, shiny object. I'll go, I'll go chase that, that shiny object if it feels like it fits in with everything else that I'm doing. And I think the other thing is you don't have to advertise everything that you do. So there's oftentimes I'll do something for a client that I'm like, I'm never going to say that I do this as a service and I'm never going to put it on my site. But because it the connection with that client was great. I knew their business really well and it made a lot of sense to do that. There's lots of times like I've done copywriting for people's launch funnels and things like that. I'm like, I'm not a copywriter and I don't talk about doing that. Um, but it, that was a, a service that I happened to do because I just knew their business well enough and was able to kind of pull it off. Um, is that the best use of my time? Probably not. So I think you become a little more discerning maybe over time to know like, is that a shiny object or is that like, or is that really aligned? And that's kind of where I want to be heading. And so I think until you've done the work of identifying, like really doing that deep personal work and, and really knowing your strengths inside and out and what feels, again, what feels easy, what feels fun for you, where you get lit up, where flow happens and you're so in the zone that you forget, you know, time and space exist. Uh, that to me is like, I want to optimize for those activities and reduce anything where there's resentment. So that's that's kind of how I operate. Reduce, <laughs> optimize for for fun and and passion, and reduce that uh, anywhere that, that I'm like, oh, this just freaking sucks. Why did I agree to do this? It's so funny that like something I've observed in my own business. Like it's it's funny when it starts to switch between. Uh, just the thing like, well, I know I don't want to do this. I know I don't like your business almost becomes like, well, I'm going to move towards the away from the things I don't want to do. But then there's, there's some point where I don't know if everybody goes through the switch or not, where it's like, where you're actively saying no, like this, oh, this is actually what I want to do as opposed to just cutting out things you don't want to do. I don't know if that that's common for anybody else. But that's where I sort of started pruning. Like when I was journalist communications, I just was like, okay, cutting out proofreading, cutting out these other things I don't like, report writing, like we're not doing this anymore. We're not like, and just chopping that. And there was a drop in business. I mean, like they're always, I think that, I don't know if like some people might need to be prepared for that. Like it doesn't, a pivot right. doesn't always come with like, that's so true. Knocking down your door. It <laughs> is a risk. Sure. Yeah. It's absolutely a risk uh, for sure. When you're, when you're taking a big pivot. Um, and I, I think, you, you know, you bring up a good point that like, sometimes it's easier to recognize what you don't want to do. And then that's an easy way to say like, well, nope, no longer doing this. And I think sometimes we get so swept up in our business and we just we just kind of fall into it sometimes. Or you're falling into client, you're just kind of doing what's in front of you. Then we forget to kind of take stock of what is my long-term vision or kind of where do I want to be heading? And so until you've, you've kind of done that longer-term visioning work, uh, sometimes that immediate decisions in front of you can be harder to make because you haven't been really clear about that. So um, I try, you know, every every year to kind of revisit that. Um, I don't want to say like the five year plan because there's no plans. It's more like a, it's a vision or it's um, like one of the exercises I had to do was a, a 25 year. Like, what does my life look like in 25 years? What am I doing? Who am I hanging out with? Where's my time spent? That's a what did you call it, Margaret? A mind, <laughs> a mind, psychological trick. Psychological <laughs> trick. You know, imagining twenty-five years in the future, like that's that's a long time, and it it weirdly like puts things in perspective when you think about. Well, I know I don't want to be 
stressed out running around like a chicken with my head cut off like I want I want calmness I want peace I want to spend time in the garden I don't want to be resentful like what do the friends and family around me look like and when you start to go like really really big long term and then start bringing it back well is what I'm doing today or all those things that I'm saying yes to are they inching me closer toward that or are they distractions is it just just doing it for the money so I think to some extent, you kind of have to do some of that long term, even like a year from now, where do I want to be? And then are these decisions aligned with that? And it's not like I haven't taken on projects where I'm like, well, that's going to pay the bills in a really nice way that gives me more freedom over here. Like I've definitely done that before. Uh, and I think we we all kind of sometimes have to do that where it doesn't tick all the boxes, but there's it generates enough <laughs> revenue that it that it provides freedom over here. So I think that is sometimes, but I think being honest with yourself about the fact that you're doing that is is really important. So, one hundred percent, I've done that. I've taken on a, a project to like this. It ticks some of the boxes. It's not where I'm going ultimately, but it will enable me to get there. <laughs> for a reasons A, B, and C. So it's like, but, am I learning like I said, something that I can add? And is it like exactly giving me something that's going to contribute to where yeah. I'm heading long-term and runway funding is or runway. I don't oh, know. Yeah. That sounds very, yeah. <laughs> very fancy for like money in the bank so that you can pay the bills. Yeah. <laughs> yeah even leave yourself time to generate products, right? Exactly. Exactly. I really like the point about, I'll call it pivoting away from misery and the <laughs> distinction between, are you taking on something to pay the bills because it's going to enable you to do something more sustainable later, or are you doing something that makes you miserable day in and day out? Because if you're doing that, what are you doing? Like, let's say you you succeed for some definition of success there and you have more of that business that makes you miserable. Like, what are you building towards? So I think for people listening out there, don't ignore your own misery index and, uh, like if we, if you hate what you're doing, find something else. If what you're doing is okay, I think you'd probably all agree then the the decision as to whether or not to pivot based on like revenue and product market fit and all that becomes more nuanced. But I, I think, yeah, the, the table stakes is you have to be doing something that won't make you miserable over the course of your, uh, the duration of doing it, I think. Yeah. If you get a portfolio of stuff that you don't want more of, right? It's like you're just going to be attracting more of more of the same stuff. So mm-hmm. you got to be clear about what you do and don't want. Yeah. It's easy to feel trapped too, but yeah. it's I, having more conversations with people that you do want to be working with, I think is the the path out of that. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, to your point about the, uh, it's easy to say almost to know what you don't want to do. And sometimes it's hard to know what you do want to do. Sometimes you don't even know what's possible until you stumble upon it, right? Like workflow consulting is a thing people are willing to pay money for. Like, oh, right. Like sometimes you don't even know until you've stumbled into a niche or, or you've gone, oh, like this is actually a, th- like there's a term for this. There's a name. Like that's, a- I felt like that with digital strategy too. It was like, oh, I'm, I'm helping my clients make so many decisions around not just their site. There's so much else happening around it that I didn't even no, there was like a term or a phrase or, or that that was a thing people were willing to pay for. So I think sometimes it can be hard to know from a like a 
actual work standpoint, well, what do I want when you don't even know sometimes what is possible either in your industry or peripheral industries? But I that and that's where I think getting back to your strengths of like, what am I really great at? Like, where do I really shine? Because then it's going to be easier to recognize like, oh, if I if I'm really great at great at writing reports, so I'm really great at, at connecting with people, maybe interviewing folks, maybe like you can start to identify those those little pockets of possibility in an easier way. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what I, I like. I, I was like, oh, I want to be I want to spend less time on the computer or like, you know, do writing just by myself. And I want to spend more time having conversations. Who knew testimonials and client case studies as an offer <laughs> yeah. could be a thing for a full time. Like, but it's, you start with those little like, Hey, how can I use my interviewing skills? And how can like, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That just starting with like little nuggets of things. And then those conversations. Yeah. Anytime I get kind of, if I ever get discouraged or I'm not sure, I always, Google like crazy things that people do for a living just to remind myself that you can literally make money doing anything. Um, I think one time I went down a rabbit hole of there is one guy who's like famous for making those um, fireplace movies. <laughs> so, there's uh, yeah. And there's like a different a guy that does the aquarium stuff. So there's like literally you can you can specialize if you're passionate about it and willing to dig deep and basically like do tutorials on it and do and do the work i do feel like you can the chances are pretty good at you being able to make money on almost anything for sure mm, amazing <laughs> another question i had was around i know we mentioned like um kind of designing your life uh designing the life that you want and sometimes as everyone knows, there's that comes with opposition a lot of the times from like friends and family. And if people see you from what they perceive to be like pivoting too often or not knowing what you want to do, I know you said nobody's refreshing your site every day. So your your clients and your client base and the people that you're serving are likely not going to see this. But do you have any advice for people who the people who are close to them, their friends and family are like have judgment about that and have judgment about them continuously shifting to be able to find what it is that they really love. Oh, that's so, that's so tough. Um, and I feel like my sister's kind of in that boat too. Like she's explored a lot and gotten, definitely gotten a lot of flack and like, Oh, you're flaky or you never finish anything or this or that. <laughs> um, so while I haven't personally experienced that, um, I do feel like I'm often her cheerleader being like, no, like you're, well, you're, you're listening to the data and mm -hmm. saying like, okay, this, that was an idea that I had that that wasn't a business, right? There, that's something different too, is like, we, we can have interests, we can have hobbies, we can, um, we can have seasons of things. And I think that's, that's totally normal. And if I think it's kind of necessary that you you're going to have to go through a bit of an exploratory experimentation process in the beginning before you really double down on something. Um, I I mean I have a hard time listening to anybody's advice because I'd be like I don't know how's your business doing like yeah. I'm off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do what I want don't tell me what to do. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think I think you you only know yourself uh, kind of where your time and energy needs to be best spent. And like, do you want to spend the rest of your life in business building something that someone else thinks you should want or need? That's going to be an exhausting. Um, well, I just don't think it's it's going to work if you're doing something that 
isn't actually serving people you're not super excited about just because maybe some your friends or family think it's a good idea for you. So um, ultimately, only you know where your skills and strengths are best aligned. So it's going to take a bit of courage, I think, a bit of courage and confidence to um, just let people know, hey, you know, I, I tried that. It wasn't really working out for me, but I noticed that there were people over here asking for this thing. And so I wanted to see where, want to see where it went. Um, and I think similarly, you need to surround yourself with people who whether it's communities, masterminds, friends, people who are in the same space and are, are in the arena, right? Those are the people whose opinions matter when it comes to business, not like friends and family that have no idea or not running their own business. Those are not the opinions that you should be taking in, I think, as a business owner. So, you know, get get some support from other people in mastermind groups and communities, run it by folks, ask folks um, you know, hey, if, does this sound like a niche that works? Is this is this appealing? Do you know anyone who would be interested in this service? I agree because I like speaking for myself. I mean, like you said, too, kind of scaling back and looking at the big picture. I would a hundred percent rather be trying and failing at a bunch of other things while certain things succeed, as opposed to sitting in a gray cubicle under fluorescent lights for for 40 years. But also, I understand that choice too. Other people, the security, the benefits, all of that stuff is important to them. So it, it depends what's important to you. And I think the the fulfillment and the sort of risk and adventure part of it is actually more more important to me personally than the than the actual stability of it itself for sure. And that's brings it back to values again, right? Like not everybody should start a business. Not everybody is is interested or cut out or is comfortable enough with the risk of running your own business. And not all of us like the sort of day-to-day -day <laughs> drudgery of things being the same every day. Um, sec security is not as important to me as, as freedom and exploration, right? So we have to remember that different people have different values that are going to suit different situations better. And so are you accepting, you know, information or advice or something from someone who's who's projecting their values onto you a little bit? So the more clear you are, think about what you value, what you need out of your your business, it's going to be a lot easier to ignore and, and sort of filter advice that is, is not really uh, best suited to you. I don't know if you, if you like, obviously, these current circumstances are like kind of... Uh, I think it both op provides an opportunity to to change business and, and also like, you know, it can also feel like a scarier time to to pivot. Um, like I'm, when there is in some of the earlier pivots, like were there ways that you were just like, did you always do it so quickly or was it more nudging towards a certain area? Like way, like is there, what what are ways that maybe you tried to like, you know, was there ever ways that you did try to baby step your way into a pivot or? Yeah, I think I've like, probably baby stepped my way every three months or so. I think there's been like, oh, and now like I've reworded this service on my site or like, you know, it, it's definitely always been, I think a little bit of a, a shift. I feel like every three months there's just like a new cycle and I'm like, oh, not doing that one thing. Now it's this price point, like an increasing price points even every, every quarter, right? Like, okay, let's, if enough people are booking me up and I'm booked up solid, it's probably a good sign that my prices need to increase. And so um, every new proposal, right, it would be like, oh, now I'm going to do like a productized offer. I'm not going to do proposals anymore. So they have to pick one of these three offers. It's just always in, in a, a state of kind of experimenting and just listening to what's what's been working. So, um, yeah, I think I've I've taken a, a combo of like inching 
you know, inching forward, changing copy, making little tweaks, changing my bio in a couple different ways. And so it's maybe felt like an evolution. And um, sometimes it's hard to know how people perceive it on the outside. Um, but another interesting thing, too, is sometimes you have people reach out. And uh, like somewhat recently, I've had several friends that said, wow, it's been nice to see you showing up more fully, like you're putting yourself out there in a way that you never did before. And I found it easier to talk about. I found it easier to show up and people were noticing the confidence that came along with that. So when you feel like things are easy and you're excited about what you're working on, it's a lot easier to show up. One thing that I have struggled with somewhat recently, and as you said, like these are you know pretty wild times right now, coronavirus, Black Lives Matter, there's a lot happening. And then we're, we're forced to investigate, well, how am I showing up and what what causes am I investing in and how much do I talk about those things? How much am I showing what my values are? And I think in some ways I've been fairly censored online. There's a, there's a, well, you want people to like you and you don't want to like offend people and whatever. And so there's been a process for me too, of figuring out what is my voice and what am I comfortable talking about? And what does that mean for my brand? And all of that stuff I think is kind of, a lot of people are looking at right now of like, um, you know, how diverse is the group of people that I follow? How diverse are my clients? Like whose voices am I following and what messages am I amplifying and what really matters? So that's something I've been wrestling with recently is like, what is what is the voice I'm comfortable using online, on social media, in my email newsletters and, and kind of dipping my toe in the water of being a little more overt with my opinions? And that's a scary thing to do too, right? If If People have maybe seen me as like, oh, like you're so nice and sweet online. And um, as an example, like I said the S word in my last newsletter, right? And someone was like, <laughs> someone was like, can I offer you some unsolicited advice? Like you shouldn't use that word. You could have said getting stuff done. <laughs> oh, God. And I was like, okay, this is an interesting topic. Like how, what is my stance on swearing? I've never actually set that in stone before to say like, yes, I swear. No, I don't. Whatever. So it just got me thinking about well, what is my brand and what have I promised versus what am I delivering? And it, it just kind of got me thinking about that, that have I been a little too sanitized online that you're going to be surprised that I would use the <laughs> S word? Um, so so even in terms of pivoting, in terms of uh, what we're comfortable talking about, like that has been something I've been personally thinking a lot about and wrestling with of like, what what does it mean when your audience increases too? Like audience kind of blew up since talking more about Notion and Notion's a, a international audience. Like there's so many people from all over the world. And that's one of the things I really love about it. But now it means as more people are listening, I'm like, whew, what am I, <laughs> what am I comfortable <laughs> talking about? Right. So, it comes with more responsibility a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Which interest, which brings up an interesting point too, because there's almost these like macro pivots of, industry and niche and job and then there becomes these like micro pivots that you do within it which are like oh so I don't know like am I am I okay with swearing yeah I'm okay with swearing and then the, these become and sometimes these change too so there's almost these like yeah these sort of micro pivots within uh within yourself which I think are always happening and that's why I think it's so natural to think that the macro ones would be happening too because we're like you said I mean we're always changing. We always should be changing. And it's, yeah, it's only when you get that feedback too, right? You're like, oh, interesting. Like someone commented on that and I like hadn't thought about it. Now someone's like calling it out. How do I feel about that? So sometimes you don't even 
maybe know how clear you are about something until there's that feedback loop or a client is upset about something or, you know, you share something on social and get called out on something. And so, yeah, those micro pivots, I think, also do help kind of shape and solidify how you feel about something and what your values are. Um, I went on a little bit of a, a Twitter tirade because similarly, like the more that I'm emailing now and the bigger my audience is getting, email marketing has been something that is like, I send a couple email newsletters a year. Like it's the hardest. I don't know why it's like the hardest thing for me. I can make a YouTube video, but to email my list is like, there's so many people listening. And like, I don't want to, you know, clutter their inbox unless it's like a really valuable thing. And so I overthink it. It's so hard. And I I can't see their face when they're reading the email to know if it's landing. Oh, it's like so much stress. Um, And so I I had posted a very short email that was talking about, um, I think I was sharing my gardening dashboard notion template, right? It's like basically applying productivity to the garden. And someone replied, I I think I got 20 replies from that email that were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Thank you. And then you get one guy. Of course. It's like, (laughs) it just said productivity for me. Sorry. And I was like, So I didn't even know what that meant. Like, please only send me things that are related to productivity or something. And I was like, how do I feel about this? I was like, kind of pissed. And I was like, you opted into my newsletter. And and also, I don't even say like get productivity tips. Like I talk about building life and business ecosystems. And like, I mean, there's just so much in that conversation that even if you're not a gardener, you could apply, like you could look at the template and learn something about what I had done or workflow or whatever. It was applying productivity to the garden. So it just, obviously I went on this little tirade. I was like, what does it all mean? Um, (laughs) What do I talk about? What should I be talking about? It got me questioning everything because I've already felt self-conscious about what should I be sharing with my audience? What are the conversations that make sense? Does this go deep enough? All of that stuff. So that was in a way, um, not a micro pivot, but it just got me thinking about what what do I mean when I say I talk about productivity? Because productivity is a means to an end. Like you have to apply being productive because it's, what's the point? It's it's being productive in your life. So you have a life that you don't hate. Like I, I can't, I'm not only going to talk about getting things done and task management, like that's not exciting to me. So how can I be more clear and upfront on my site about here's what you can expect from me. Here's what I talk about. And if you want fluffy, getting things done, bit like task management advice, like I am not that productivity guru. And here's like three people you can follow for that. So sometimes I think even a small comment or feedback loop can really hone and refine. And you're like, Mm, don't want to talk about that. Yes, I want to talk about that. Apparently, I have strong <laughs> opinions about <Yeah>. that. <laughs> and so, again, you don't know, I think, until you're putting yourself out there. Um, and that's that's the courageous act, I think, of just making your opinions known, putting your services and work out there, and then refining as you go. Awesome. That's my rant about that. Cool. <laughs> well, I think that rant is a perfect place <laughs> to wrap it up. Um, so at the end of every episode, Marie, we do what's called picks. So we have like one pick of the day. Um, I know if you don't have one off the top of your head, there's a bunch that you've mentioned throughout the episode, and you can use one of those, or you can use, um, or you can use one of the picks that you like. Uh, but basically, we go through everyone, ask them what their pick is, and we'll include that in the show notes afterwards. Um, Marie, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, so I guess my pick would be the book range, especially for this topic. Anyone who's like struggling with the, am I a generalist? Am I a specialist? What does it all mean? Definitely read the book range. 
Awesome. Eric? All right, so this week I'm going to pick the lean startup in the context of the conversation we've been having. It is normally a book that you think of in the Silicon Valley world, like for funded startups, but I think it has a lot of applicability to the bootstrapping world, um, lifestyle design, the freelancer world that might be surprising. And I think it's good for pivots because um, a lot of the book is kind of focused on applying the scientific method to different areas of business. And if you're contemplating a pivot, one of the things you want to do is you're forming a hypothesis like this would be a better way of uh, doing business. And the Lean Startup gives you a framework for evaluating whether um, it's succeeding or not and kind of how to fail fast if it's not and getting that data as soon as possible. So I think it's a good one to check out um, in context of the conversation we've had. Well, Meg? Yeah, I am going to, my pick's going to be Marie's gardening dashboard, which I uh, I think got uh, uh, just about a week or two ago. And uh, uh, yeah, Marie, I love it so much. Uh, I haven't I haven't been able to, I, I'm already overwhelmed with like, I need to populate this thing with my own plants. <laughs> I've just recently uh, been getting, like, I only have, uh, I don't have, a, I've, I've got a deck, uh, but I've got lots of potted plants out on the deck. I've got a couple of house plants and oh my gosh, I did not expect, so uh, in for people that haven't seen or heard of it yet is that Marie made a lovely gardening dashboard in Notion that has so much knowledge in it on like, I didn't expect there to be like all the, like, here's what you do in this month of the year for gardening activities and like all that, like, you know, and when you can start seeds inside and it's got so much more than I'll ever use for in the next couple of years, but I'm going to save the stuff I don't use now for later. But I just love that it's going to give me some ways to organize and remind myself when, how to take so care cool. of my plants and you yeah, should see you so. should see my version too, Meg. <laughs> I knew you'd have a version too. <laughs> gonna have to get that one too. You're gonna have to put that one out. All the annuals, perennials, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing, amazing. Yeah, I look again. Even even just for someone uh, that uh, yeah just started, it's it's super useful, and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> nice. Um, I think because it hasn't been plugged yet, I'll use it as my pick. So Marie's Notion Mastery course, which we will hook up in the show notes. Um, Marie, would you say it's more intermediate level or how would you explain sort of like the leveling if someone's just starting out with Notion? Yeah, probably intermediate. Uh, I do cover all the advanced or all the beginner stuff too, but I know it's, it's, a lot for folks. If they're like just starting, it's probably going to feel like drinking from a fire hose. So generally speaking, a little more on the advanced people that are like comfortable using it day to day, but want to take it to the next level. Okay, cool. And if you're looking for beginner stuff, you've got tons of that on your YouTube too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Thanks so much, Marie. I'm sure I'll talk to you soon, but yeah, uh, we're all me. so excited to have you. And yeah. Hopefully see you on the will... internet. Yes, see you on the internet. We'll hook up your handles and everything in the uh, in the show notes. But do you want to just shout out uh, where you can be found? Yeah, you can pretty much find me at Marie Poulin on all the different channels: Twitter, MariePoulin.com, Instagram, Marie Poulin. <laughs> on all the things. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Marie. Thanks for having me, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in for this week's episode of the Business of Freelancing. We're so excited to see you next week.